Welcome to the Faith is a Verb podcast, formerly known as the Back to Basics Bible Corner. Tracy, Amy, and Amanda here, and digging into scripture together is our favorite thing to do, because simply reading the Bible isn't enough for us. We want to actually study His Word. We have created this podcast as a means to study together with all of you, so we would be over the moon excited to have conversation with you in the comments here. Without further ado, let's go chew on some scripture together. Hello, hello, guys. Welcome to the Faith is a Verb podcast. I want to apologize on behalf of Amanda, Amy, and myself that we are officially into the next week and we did not post last week. And I am so, so sorry. (laughs) It is Monday morning and we are going to be posting this early Monday. So uh, hopefully that makes up for it. And we will still be posting another one at the end of this week. We will stick to our normal recording schedule. Uh, But life is life and sometimes things get in the way. Um, Speaking of life being life and doing life-like things, uh, Amy's house is currently under a severe thunderstorm issue thing going on and her whole house is kind of rattling in the storm. So if it gets a little laggy, if she just kind of stops talking in the middle of a sentence, um, she's frozen and we will let you know. If she just disappears entirely, her power went out and hopefully she will come back. But (laughs) we are going to just roll with the punches and we're going to do the very best that we can because That's all any of us can do, right, is do the very best that we can to stay in his word and to make this be a priority in our life. Um, And I'm just so, I'm very, I say this every single week, I know that, but I'm very, very, very excited about this week's episode. I feel, I feel like I really was getting like info. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like the discernment and the wisdom that he was giving me was just like, like when I was taking my notes as I'm reading things, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to write this down. No, this, 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 this. You know what I mean? Like I, I really just felt like, he was sitting right next to me and he was like, Hey, don't forget to tell him about this. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't want to be one of those, those, those false prophets that we hear about all the time. They're like, the Lord told me, but like, it really, it felt like he was sitting right next to me while I was doing this study. And I, I seek that feeling daily. Right. Um, I used to get it pretty often, right? Like I used to have that feeling pretty often. And that, again, that's, that speaks to how my life has changed in the last couple of months. My schedule has changed. My, my distractions have increased and things like that, right? Like the enemy has been at play at pulling me away, but that feeling of him sitting next to me is what I used to get all the time. And that is what I seek daily. And that is whenever I know that I'm truly on the path that I'm supposed to be on. So whenever I have a day like that, I replicate what I did that day. (laughs) If that makes sense, like I'm going to replicate that exact same schedule on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, you know what I mean? Because I want to have that feeling again. So um, we are going to be talking about repentance today. And the title for this week is going to be repentance is more than I'm sorry, which as an adult human being, we should all know that as it is not even looking at it from a biblical standpoint, just like when you're sorry about something, it's more than just a word, right? Um, I don't think that we necessarily are really good at applying that though. At least I know I wasn't. Uh, I didn't really ever stop to think. We're going to get into it in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. I need to pray before we start. And it is my turn to pray. And I am a little bit nervous. So maybe that's why I'm just rattling on here. Um, So everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. And we're going to invite the father to join us today in the study. Abba, I come to you this morning, just asking that you sit right next to us today. Sit right next to us as we are going through your word, as we are dissecting it and we are taking it line by line and we are truly studying. 
we are seeking your wisdom and your discernment. We are seeking your guidance from your word. We are not just reading it like it is a book and then we're going to move on with our day. We are not looking for ourselves in your scripture today. We are looking for you, Father. We want to see you. We want to see your character. We want to have your understanding and we want to be able to feel your presence with us as we are studying. I ask that you reach into the heart of every single woman that is listening to this podcast this week and you let them know that their prayers are heard that you are on it, that they can set it down at your feet and they can let it go and they can walk away and that you are going to pick it up and you are going to carry it the distance. I ask that you be with us today as we are studying and keep our words out of it. Let it be only your words. Let it be only what you want us to share. And just place a hedge of protection around us and all of our listeners this week as we move forward. Keep us all focused on you. Keep us all focused on studying your word. In Yeshua's mighty name, I pray. Amen. Okay, so like I said, the title for this week is Repentance is More Than I'm Sorry. Um, and before I was really actively building a relationship with the Father and with Yeshua, Jesus, um, I kind of had this mindset of like hyper grace. Uh, if you don't know what that is, if you never heard that term, it's kind of like the get out of jail free card, right? Like you believe, so therefore you can just keep on sinning. That porn that you're addicted to, it's fine. Just keep on watching it. No big deal because Jesus forgives all. It'll be great. You can just say you're sorry later on. And then whenever you slip up and do it again, you can just say you're sorry. I'm not saying that that's false. What I'm saying is that is totally leaving out the purpose of sanctification. That takes the whole movement of sanctification out of the picture, out of the story. It doesn't actually exist. It's not a real thing. And it literally just has you relying on hyper grace. His grace is sufficient. Do not mishear me. Do not think that I am saying something that I am not saying. His grace is sufficient. His grace is more than we could ever ask for. We are called to do more. We are called to do more. Faith is a verb. So just saying, I'm sorry, and then waking up the next day and doing the same thing again is not acceptable. You have to have that, that conviction. You have to have that heart tug. You have to have that actual true repentance. So if you look at the word repent in our, you know, fallible human dictionary, it says feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing. I would say that's a, that's a pretty good definition, right? Like feeling remorse about one's wrongdoing, but it doesn't speak on at all, at all. It does not speak on turning away from it, stopping doing what it is that you're doing. It that that ends at a feeling. That ends at a like, oh, I feel really bad about this. But then that doesn't add any action to it. It has no verb, right? I don't like that definition. I think that definition is crap. <laughs> and I think that we need to learn what scripture says repent, repentance, the act of repenting and all of those things mean, because Yah's definition is far more important than Webster's definition. Um, whenever I started looking up repent, repenting, repentance, and all that, you're going to find a ton of different Strong's Concordance numbers. The first one that I found was H5162. It's pronounced Naham, and it means to console or to comfort. And it has 108 occurrences in scripture. So 108 times when the word repent is used in our stupid little English word, right? When the word repent is used, it actually was naham, and it meant to console or to comfort somebody. That doesn't sound like what repent means, does it? Like that? 
It's very different, right? And that right there, I think, speaks on, on the importance of making sure that you are doing a word study when you are doing like a deeper study into, into his word, because our stupid little English words that are used are not enough. The, the, the language of the, like the Hebrew language is so robust. Every letter means a different picture. It means a different word. Every letter inside of a word, like the word, all the letters together mean a, a picture and a word. And then each grouping of letters inside of that word mean a different thing. Like the language is so confusing and so hard to understand. And it's so much more robust than the English language is. You have to get on Strong's Concordance. You have to get on Blue Letter Bible, E-Sword, things like that. And you have to look at the Strong's numbers. The second one that I looked up is H7725. Also repent right? Like the, the, this, the same word, the same word that you'll see in English. This is the same word. Um, this one is shub and it means to turn back. And it has 1,058 occurrences. It's a, it's much more frequently used, right? Um, and it, that sounds way more similar to what we would understand repenting to mean, right? Like we know that we need to turn away from the sin that we're doing, not just say, I'm sorry. So that seems to line up far more. But in the verse that I'm doing today, Matthew chapter three, verse eight, which I'm going to read it in a minute, um, repentance is used and it is G3341. That's a totally different word all over again, right? And that word is actually pronounced mantanoa. Mantanoa, and it is a reversal of one's decision. So if you made a decision for A, the reversal of that would be to go the opposite direction, right? That feels to me exactly what I would picture repentance being. I made the decision to walk this path. Now I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk the other way. So um, I'm going to read two versions of Matthew 3, 8. Um, number one the first version is going to come from like King James or the scriptures. They both were very similar. And it says, bear therefore fruits worthy of repentance. So, so bring with you, right? Bring fruits worthy of repentance, bring fruits. What are the fruits? What are the fruits of the spirit? Are those just words? No, those are actions. The fruits of the spirit are actions. They are things that we are supposed to be doing. So we are supposed to be acting worthy of repentance. How would that be? How would we be acting worthy of repentance if we were acting in a way that was opposite of what we had done? How I explain this to my kids is we are literally walking down a road and it has a sign, like a, like a one-way street sign, and it is pointing the opposite direction of where we're walking because God is trying to tell us you're supposed to be going this way. That sign is that conviction. That sign is the Holy Spirit telling you you're moving the wrong direction, but we're going to continue to walk down the wrong path, right? We're going to continue to walk down the wrong way. At some point in time, we have to make a decision. We have to make a choice to stop, to say, I'm sorry, to repent and to go the other direction. Not just like say, I'm sorry, and keep, keep ignoring the sign that's pointing us back the way that we're supposed to be going, right? We have to stop and we have to actually turn around. In the study Bible that I always read from, the one from Dayspring that uh, Amanda got me, it says, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to Yahweh. So again, I think this is a really good example of showing how different the translations can be, but they they're, they try, they, they change things, not always maliciously, right? It's not necessarily malicious intent that things get changed. They change it because they're trying to dumb it down. <laughs> they're trying to take it from this very complex Hebrew language and they're trying to dumb it down. So 
in this particular sentence, I don't believe that any of the meaning is lost. I think everybody with brain cells can read this and be like, okay, I'm supposed to stop doing what it is that I'm doing. I'm supposed to turn around and I'm supposed to change my actions, right? But it's just it's just to caution you, caution you again, I know we talk about this every single week, how important it is to look at multiple scripture or multiple translations. Don't just look at one translation that you've always had. Don't just be like, well, I have the King James version and this is exactly what it's supposed to be because there's there's many things wrong with many of these translations. In fact, I don't think unless you learn Hebrew and you go to Israel and you open up the scrolls for yourself, you are never going to get what it actually says. And that sucks. I hate that. I hate that we can't trust, quote unquote, our, our translations. We have to just do the best that we can do. We have to try to rightly divide these things, but look through multiple translations and you don't have to actually physically own them. Um, like always go to the, the show notes and we're going to have eSword linked on there. We're going to have Blue Letter Bible linked on there. All of these um, references that we put in the show notes every single week are different online resources that are free that you can access that are going to show you different translations. I'm going to read a little section of chapter three because I don't like to just read one verse and pretend like I know what's happening, right? We want to get the context. We want to know what's going on. So so why is it being said, prove by the way you live that you have repented from your sins and turned to God? Um, so I'm going to start from the beginning of chapter three, and we're just going to read um, about three quarters of that chapter. So it's not too much. In those days, John the Baptist came to Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Stop for a second and imagine what John looked like. He looked like that that um, displaced man that you see on the side of the road that has a sign asking for money and food. Okay, he did not look like somebody that you would gonna go you were gonna go to 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 learn. And to have baptized you, right? Like that is the picture of humility. Like, like he humbled himself to the extent that he did because it was that important for his walk, right? Like he needed to strip every single thing of comfort away. He needed to be at the most humbled that he could possibly be so that he could be in touch with Yahweh, so that he could do the work that was set out, set out for him, right? Like he was set with a very specific task and a very, very, very important job. Think about how different like the ministry of Yeshua would have been if John the Baptist wouldn't have been there doing the things that he was doing. How would the impact have been different? Who, how few people would have been saved? Things like that. Like what, like what would have changed if John the Baptist would have been like, nah, I don't feel like doing my job. I'm not going to listen to this assignment. If he was like Jonah and he like left and, and then he didn't get eaten by a big fish and then confess and, and repent and all that stuff. Like, right? Like, what if he just was like, nah, I'm not going to do this. I don't feel like eating locusts today, right? Like, imagine how different everything would have been. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, "You who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we are safe. We are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to serve, sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. If that is not faith as a verb in action right there, I have no idea what is. You have to do things. 
These people that are constantly saying grace is enough, that's it, you don't have to do anything else, they're lying to you. They are misinformed. That doesn't mean that they're maliciously doing it, but they have been lied to. The people who lied to them were lied to. Those people were lied to, so on and so forth. The, the, like if you were operating, I know that I'm, I'm getting like heated and stuff like that and I'm sorry, but I, I wish that I could go back and shake myself five years ago and be like, you fool, wake up. What is wrong with you? Believing is not enough. Hyper grace is not going to save you. It's not. There's action. I baptize you with water, those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The footnote here says, oh, shoot, I lost it. Hang on, where did it go? Which one is that? It's 11... Or in the Holy Spirit and in fire is what it said. So they're going to baptize us in fire. Uh, that doesn't sound like it's going to be a super easy and pleasant thing. That doesn't sound like just confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that's it. Does it? No, it doesn't. Being baptized in fire sounds like you're going to be tried. Sounds like you're going to be tested. Sounds like there's going to be some action needed on your part to get yourself through the fire right? Like, like you, you have to change your ways to get through the fire. You can't just stand there and burn. That's not going to be very pleasant. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never ending fire. Again, that doesn't sound pleasant. I guess I should probably focus on my fruit and not just say, well, I believe, so I'm good. I can continue on doing what I want to do. They have those little nifty boxes down at the bottom, right? So it has this little section titled Repentance. Um, almost 30 years had passed since the events of chapter two. Now, John the Baptist burst onto the scene. His theme was turn from your sins and turn to Yahweh. He meant that we must do a 180 degree turn in the way that we have been living. Before we can turn toward Yahweh, we must recognize that we are turned away from him in the beginning. Like we, we have to, how true is that? Like in order for you to turn around and start doing the right thing, you have to realize that what you're doing is the wrong thing. You have to admit, I am a sinner. I am dirty. I am unworthy. I have not been living the right way. I have not been making the right choices. And I have to stop making those choices. And let me tell you what, some of those choices are going to be easy. Some of those choices are going to be real easy, right? Maybe you, maybe you stop and please know anything that I list, I'm not saying the scripture says this is a sin. You shouldn't do this, whatever. Like this is you, you got to get in his word and you got to do your own reading. You got to do your own study. Right. But like scripture tells us that we are to be sober-minded. We're not supposed to be getting drunk all day, every day and, and let our mind be altered by the alcohol. Right. That doesn't mean that you can't have a drink on occasion, whatever. That's your own personal conviction. You need to, you need to sort that out for yourself. Scripture tells you, and you cannot argue with it. It tells you to be sober-minded. You were not supposed to be controlled by other substances. So the, maybe the decision for you to stop getting drunk every weekend is going to be an easy one. Maybe that one will be easy for you to do because you're just drinking socially. It's not that big of a deal to just have one drink instead of having seven drinks, right? Like that might be an easier one. Um, scripture tells you not to celebrate how the pagans celebrate. Again, I'm not saying this is your own thing. You think God wants you celebrating Halloween? Just a question. Just a question. Like, do you, do you think he wants you dressing up like goblins and ghouls and witches and all these things and going out on Halloween? I don't think scripture tells you to do that. <laughs> that's, that's something that you need to read on. You need to pray on. That's your own personal conviction, right? Some of these things might be harder for you to get rid of. Does scripture tell you to have a Christmas tree? Nope, it does not. 
Scripture does not tell you to have a Christmas tree. Does it say that there's necessarily something wrong with a Christmas tree? No, it does not. It does not say that there's necessarily something wrong with a Christmas tree. But again, where is that coming from? Is that pagan origin? Do you need to do some digging? Do you need to do some research? Do you need to tell your flesh to shut its mouth and really look deep and hard at what you need to turn away from? Some of these things are going to be very, very, very difficult. Some of these things might take you years to finally wrestle into submission. And that's okay. That's okay. Please don't misunderstand me. This is not something that you're going to like wake up tomorrow and be like, all of these things, I have a whole list of things that I've been doing wrong and I need to turn away from them. That's not what I'm saying at all. We did just lose Amy, like her thing just shut off. So I'm hoping that she'll be able to come back. I'm just going to keep going on my section and we'll see if she can pop back on. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you some of the things that the Holy Spirit has been tugging at you with are going to be real hard and they're they're meant to be because it's you're supposed to make a choice what it's not you're not showing that you love me by making the world's easiest choice right like if my if my spouse or my children have to make a really tough decision if they have to make a sacrifice of themselves for me that's when I feel like man they really love me right it's not when it's like the easiest thing in the world for them to do. I'm like, well, you know, that wasn't a big deal for you to do that, right? Like if we feel that way, how do you think he feels? <laughs> That's just, he he has things that he is trying to tell us that we need to stop doing. And we need to be listening to that, whether or not it's going to be easy for us or hard for us to do. We need to be listening to that. Um, but we have to admit that we've been going in the wrong direction. Once we turn around to seek Yahweh, he can deal with our sin. And then he can direct our lives in the way that he has intended from the very beginning. Isn't that the goal as a believer? Do we or do we not all have the same goal in mind? To live the way that Yahweh has created us to live. I feel like everybody who says, I am I am a believer, should have that same goal, right? Even whenever I was just a believer and I wasn't a walker, right? I wasn't walking in in this faith. I still had that understanding that like the goal was to do what he had asked me to do. I didn't understand what it was he asked me to do because I didn't open the Bible <laughs> and see the clear instruction that was there, right? Like I, I wasn't doing my due diligence. I wasn't digging for what it was that he wanted me to do. I might not have understood what that goal was. I knew at the very base level, it was to be a good person. I wasn't supposed to lie. I wasn't supposed to steal. I wasn't supposed to cheat. I wasn't supposed to... um like commit adultery I wasn't supposed to beat my kids I wasn't you know what I mean like like I had a clear moral baseline of what I was supposed to do that was that was pretty easy to know those things right um but everybody should have the goal of living the way that he has wanted us to live so if that's your goal it's time to start digging for that it's time to start seeking out how it is that he wants you to live Instead of just going on every day, like it's the same day and it doesn't matter. Like we're living Groundhog's Day, right? And we don't need to do anything different. We don't need to seek anything. Um, so as I was doing the study, you know, I'm always, I have my cross references open. I am looking to see where other scriptures um, might, might relate to this. So using that openbible.info link that is always in the show notes, I looked up the Matthew 3, 8, right? And in there, I found three verses that were in the Old Testament that I really liked that I want to um, touch on with you guys real quick. So the first one is going to be Jeremiah 26, 13. 
Now, therefore, mend your ways and your deeds and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord will relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against you. Uh, hello. I don't want disaster. I don't want this, this bad thing that he has set for me because I didn't listen to him to happen, right? Like, I don't want him to look at me and be like, man, you really should have listened. I want him to look at me and be like, hey, good job. Good and faithful servant. You've been listening, right? Like it tells you there, you, you will have blessings and you will have curses in life. And do you think that if you were doing what he is asking you to do, that you're going to continue to have curses or do you think you're going to have blessings? And I don't mean this in a prosperity gospel type of way, blessings. I mean, blessings as in you can trust in his provision. You can trust in the fact that he is going to be there taking care of you, holding you, handling your problems and all of these things when you are a child of Yah. Can you call yourself a child of Yah if you are not doing what he has asked you to do? No, you cannot. I know that sucks to hear sometimes. But if you are not doing what his word tells you to do, if you are not doing what his Holy Spirit is putting in you to do, you are not a child of Yah. And his children receive his blessing. The next one was Jeremiah 36, 3. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to them so that everyone may turn from his evil way and that I may forgive their inequity and their sin. So we're going to hear about the disaster and then we're going to turn away from it. We're going to remember, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be a child of Yah. Let me turn back. Let me turn away. Let me go back the other way, back to his narrow path. The last one is Isaiah chapter one, verses 16 through 17. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Another call to action, another time of him telling us through his prophets you are meant to do what I have told you to do. I feel like every single week we are going over at least five to 10 different verses that tell us we are meant to do things. We don't call this podcast faith as a verb lightly. Like we call this faith as a verb because we have been shown time and 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 time again that faith is a verb. It is an action. It is things that we have to do. If you are operating still in that hyper grace mindset, I urge you, I am begging you to turn away, repent, seek what he is asking you to do. It's telling us to stop doing evil in Isaiah. Stop doing evil. That's literally exactly what it says, right? It says, cease to do evil. Okay. That makes me question, how do I know what evil is? If I'm supposed to stop doing evil, how do I know what evil is, right? How do we know what sin is? The only way that we could possibly know what he sees as evil and what he sees as sin, because let me tell you, it does not matter what the world says. Oh, he's okay with this or he's not okay with this. It doesn't matter what your pastor says. He's okay with this and he's not okay with this. What matters is what his word says. What does his word say? Are you rightly dividing his word? Are you seeking what it is in his word, right? His word specifically says sin is the transgression of law. Sin is the transgression of law. That means breaking the law. What is the law? The law is what he gave us. It's not just the Ten Commandments. If you are like me, you didn't even know that there were other commandments. I had no idea that there was more than Ten Commandments. There were 613 commandments. Six 
613. Now, not all 613 are going to apply to every single person because there are laws given for doctors. There are laws given for uh, priests. There are laws given for farmers. There are laws given for men. There are laws given for women, so on and so forth. Not every single one is going to apply to every single person. But he goes so in detail in every single part of his creation. Why do we think that he's literally going to sum up his rules for life in 10 little rules? Oh, that's all I need you to do. I'm going to spend literally 15 chapters giving you exact dimensions of how to build the Ark of the Covenant, the way that the cherubim were supposed to face, the material, how the priestly garments are supposed to look like, 15 chapters of details on how to make this one thing. But, you know, life, life, I'm just going to say these 10 things and then wing it. Go for it. Do your best. I think not. Again, anybody with a brain cell can stop for a second and can think there's got to be more, right? Unfortunately, I clearly had zero brain cells before two years ago because I literally was one of those dum-dums that was like, oh, it's just the 10. Just don't do those 10 and you're good to go. And even if you do those 10, all you have to do is say you're sorry and then you're fine. My goodness gracious. Okay. I'm going to hop over to eSword and I'm going to read... I love how I'm like pretending like you guys can see me hopping over to anything. Anyway, um, sin is a transgression of law, right? So if, we, if we're going to read it actually verbatim what it says, it's in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, and I'm going to read verse 4, 5, and 6. These all go together for me, right? Everyone doing sin also, well, let me tell you, I'm reading from the scriptures right now, so it's going to say it a little bit different. King James Version, I'll read that too, so that you can hear the difference. But right now, this is from the scriptures. So the, the, the Institute for Scripture Research, 2009 edition. Everyone doing sin also does lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Everyone staying in him does not sin. Everyone sinning has neither seen him nor known him. So if I switch over to the King James Version, that's how easy it is to use this, by the way. You literally just click a button and you can switch from version to version to version. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that ye he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So they're both saying pretty pretty much the same thing. If you're telling me that you know Messiah, if you know Yeshua, if you know Jesus, whatever you want to call him, then you better not be just turning around sinning. Everybody is going to sin. We are we we don't have the choice. Adam and Eve made the choice that they made and it got passed down to all of us. We did not get any say so in that. We no longer have the ability not to sin. They took that choice away from us, right? But we do have the ability to turn away from sin. We have the ability to recognize, to hold a mirror up and see what it is that we have done wrong and turn away. I kind of broke down each one of these verses. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, lawlessness is going to be the same thing as disobeying the law. Um, and now I'm going to read Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 through 23. 
Many shall say to me in that day, Master, Master, we have not prophesied, or have we not prophesied in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and done many mighty works in your name? And then I shall declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. These are these are red letter words. These are Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus saying, Depart from me. I don't know you, you workers of lawlessness. What is a worker of lawlessness? Someone who does not obey the law. What is the law? Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Go read the Torah, the first five books of the Bible written by Moses, the inspired word of God. Go read that. That's the law. 1 John 3, 5. Manifested to take away our sins. Yeshua was, was literally made, like he was made human. He was sent down to be born as a babe specifically for this purpose. To take away our sin, to take away the punishment, right? So in him, there is no sin. When you are walking as he walked, there is no sin. We know that. We know that he was perfect, right? We know that. Everybody knows that. Nobody would would, would argue that. I've never in my life heard a single person say, no, Jesus was not perfect. Everybody knows that what he did was perfect. So why are we not trying harder to emulate him? Why are we not trying to do what he did? Again, I'm, I might step on your toes. We might lose some followers with this one. You think Jesus, if he was sitting right next to you, I ask my kids this all the time. If he was sitting right next to you, is he going to watch that horror film? If he's sitting right next to you, is he going to go trick-or-treating with your kids? If he's sitting right next to you, is he going to be like, let's go put an angel on top of that tree? If he's sitting right next to you, is he going to say, I love that you guys just put yourself in debt by $30,000, you know, to buy Christmas presents. If he's sitting right next to you, are you going to say and do and believe the things that you're saying and doing and believing right now? Because newsflash, he is sitting right next to you. He is seeing every single decision that you make. And he is pleading with you to hear him, to fill him, to recognize that he's right there telling you what it is that you're supposed to do. He's begging you to open his father's word. He's begging you to do what is right. Again, I'm sorry if I sound heated and worked up. I was so mad at myself whenever I was doing the study. I was like, girl, we are whipping you into shape today. You are done with this stuff. Anyway, okay. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. Everyone continuing to sin does not know him. If I go on eSword, I love this app. I'm telling you guys, it is so worth the $3 that I paid to have like full access to this. Um, there is a footnote section at the bottom of three, six, and it brings up two other verses. So whenever I, and it links them right there. So all I have to do is click it and it's going to bring me right to it. Right? So the first one is first John chapter two, verse four, the one who says, I know him and does not guard his commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. What are his commands? Genesis, Leviticus, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, go read them. That's his commands. That's his commands. And even, even if, even if you want to be like super basic and be like, well, the 10 commandments are his commands. Are you honoring those 10 commandments? Are you, are you honoring them the way that you're supposed to? That Sabbath day and how it told you to keep it holy. How are you keeping the Sabbath day holy? Do you even know what keeping the Sabbath day holy means? Have you looked into that? Have you looked to see what that means? Not your interpretation of what it means, not your pastor's interpretation of what it means, not your mama's or your grandma's, the word. Have you looked in scripture? Have you looked? Have you taken the time? I didn't. I hadn't. 
oh, I'm good enough. I'm doing a good enough job. I'm doing a good enough job. I'm a good person. I'm not running around beating people. I'm not murdering people. I'm not lying all the time. Little white lies here and there. No big deal, right? Do the best I can do. I go to church. Look at me. No, I was not keeping his Sabbath day holy. Not even close. The second footnote is 3 John chapter 1, verse 11. Beloved ones, do not imitate the evil, but the good. The one who is doing good is of Elohim, but he who is doing evil has not seen Elohim. Let's stop for a second and use, use what we know, right? Like who is in control of the world right now? Evil. Evil is in control of the world. The, God is not in control of the world. If, it, if he was here, if this was, if this was his domain right now, it would be heaven. It's not heaven, right? Like this is earth. Who has power over the earth? Satan. Hasatan. He has power over the earth. If you are imitating this world, you are not of Elohim. You are not following the example of Yeshua. You are not. And the sooner you swallow that pill, the sooner you open your eyes and look in the mirror and you see that you are imitating the world instead of imitating Yeshua, the sooner you can turn around. There, It's like you're on a road right now and there's 75 flashing neon road signs telling you caution, danger, end of the line, like dead end road, turn around. There's a cliff ahead, dummy. Like whatever it's saying, it's telling you to turn around and you're not, you're just eyes closed, marching on down this road, continuing to follow the world. Stop following the world. Stop following the world. Turn to Yeshua. Follow his path. Follow what he told you to do. My final thought, I'm sorry I keep yelling at you guys. I love you very much. And I hope that we don't lose a whole bunch of listeners with this episode. My final thought is going to be jumping to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. There are many who enter through it. But the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life. And there are few who find it. There are few who find his narrow path. Do you think that aligns with the idea of hypergrace? If all you have to do is believe that Jesus is Lord, he is the son of God, and that he has died for the forgiveness of sins, if that is it, if that was the end of the line right there, would that be few people believing or would that be many people believing? I feel like that's probably many. The narrow path, few will enter. That if that doesn't make you stop and think like it made me stop and think, I'm telling you, I was crying I was mad at myself. <laughs> I was repenting about like literally every single thing that I have ever done wrong in my entire life. And that that's, I guess that'll be my final thought. How often are you repenting? If it is not a daily thing, get in the habit of daily repentance. Literal daily repentance every single day. Stopping, whoa, I should not have said that. I repent. I am so sorry, Father. Fill me with a spirit of conviction. Fill me with a conviction deep in my belly that I cannot deny so that I will, uh, like that giant neon sign, hello, dummy, cliff ahead, turn around, right? Like I need my conviction. I need the Holy Spirit to up his game. I need him to be smacking me around, right? Like turn around, you're being dumb, go the other way, right? Man, every I feel like 75 times a day now, I need to be opening my mouth and, and verbally saying, forgive me, Father. I should not have said that. I should not have thought that. Forgive me for my thoughts. Forgive me for my actions. Like, 
oh y'all we need to be repenting daily all day all day I'm done yelling at you now I'm very sorry Amy's gonna go next so good so good when I was looking for my word it's crazy that you know you ended on G3341 I ended on G3341 as well and um so that was the one that I felt was the most of what we are looking for to teach on today um to share and um my definitions that I found were that it means to change one's mind and purpose as the result of after knowledge this word is used of true repentance a change of mind purpose and life remission of sin is promised changing of the inner man having a true sense of one's own guilt and sinfulness an apprehension of yah's mercy in messiah an actual hatred of sin references for actual hatred of sin is Psalm 119, verse 128, Job chapter 42, verses 5 and 6, and 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Actual turning from sin and to Yah. Continue a persistent holy life in a walking with Yah. Or as we like to say, faith is a verb. It's something you have to continue to choose to walk out daily. Being actually conscious of guilt brought me to Psalm 51. So I'm going to read a few uh, verses and then I'm going to explain what I got out of them. And then I'm going to give you some cross references to read on your own for those. So Psalm 51, an explanation of it is this is a Psalm of David regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. I wanted to give you an example of what it's like to ask for forgiveness of a sin and to actually repent. Verses one and two. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt, Purify me from my sin. We come to Yah in great honesty and brokenness. Asking for mercy shows we are where we have sinned and we are done making excuses for why we were sinning. Asking for mercy according to loving kindness is a way to ask Yah for an outpouring of his Hesed loyal love to admit we are broken in our sin. Ask for your sins to be erased. We do this both to ourselves, realizing when we ask Yah, we are then leaving it with him to deal with. When we ask Yah to forgive us, but don't forgive ourselves, it's not trusting him to take care of it. When we live in sin for so long, we become stained and we wish to be washed anew, begging to be cleansed. Cross-references for these two are Isaiah 44, 22, and 1 John 1, 7 through 9. Verse 3 and 4, For I recognize my rebellion, it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. 
I have not done what is evil. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. Openly confess your sins without excuse, without blame shifting or rationalizing, being fully aware before Yah. We do our best to ignore what's right in front of us. We deny sin. But a true child of Yah is unable to escape this sin that is always in front of your mind, haunting you, making you miserable. When you haven't hated, when you haven't had a full heart change, you dwell more on being miserable or bothered by what the consequences of that sin is instead of the actual sin itself. Even as our sins may affect others, hurt others, or even ourselves, they all affect Yah. If we are following his laws, we wouldn't be sinning against others or ourselves. So above all others, our sin is against Yahweh. Remember, he sees all our sin, even those unspoken sins in our minds and our hearts. Confessing our sins not only frees us of guilt and burden of sin, it proves our faith in Yah's justice and character of righteousness. And his laws are good and just. Cross-reference Isaiah 59, 12 and Revelation 16, 5. Verse 5 and 6. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother con conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. The depth of our sin goes beyond just specific sinful actions. Our stubborn sinful nature is something we are born with, receiving a sinful nature as sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. Asking Yah to work deep in our heart to transform our way of thinking, reacting, and to know true wisdom of right and wrong and the heart to follow through. Cross-reference Romans 5.12 and Proverbs 2.6. Verses seven through nine, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Asking for restoration to the way Yah created us and wants us to be. We need him to cleanse us through the blood of the perfect sacrifice. Being bold to ask him for his complete cleansing shows our faith to believe in him, despite our fleshly doubt and difficulty. Only he could make a way as if we had never sinned at all. When we are convicted by the Holy Spirit, we feel this extreme brokenness. David refers to broken bones. My personal conviction is a tightening of the chest, almost as if I'm suffocating in the sin. Our request is to feel joy again, and not as if we are broken or suffocating. Cross-reference Isaiah 1, 18, Job 5, 17 through 18, Colossians 2, 14. Verse 10 and 11. Do not banish me from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit, oops, sorry, that was 11. 
10. Create me in a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Only Yahweh can create a new heart, as he tells us he will in Ezekiel 36, 26. Asking for the Holy Spirit to be present and to continue to reveal to us the way we are supposed to live and what we are and are not to do. The point of repentance is to renew our relationship with Yah. What is the point of being cleansed if he remains far from us? We don't wish to be cast away as Cain was, nor cast away as Saul was when the Holy Spirit had departed from him. Even though under the new covenant in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, in Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, we are told that we have a new heart and a new, we are told we have a new heart and the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. It takes time for us to be shown all of our sin is not a one-time deal that we must continue is not a one-time deal. We must continue to listen to conviction and feel the need for restoration even years into this walk. Cross-reference Romans 12.2 and Romans 8.9. Verse 12 and 13. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. When I Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. While we are living in sin, we have this feeling of defeat. We desperately crave for that feeling of salvation. Have confidence that he has a future for us. But without the Holy Spirit holding us up, we are not strong enough in, on our own. Having self-confidence that we are enough without the Holy Spirit just leads to more sin. While in sin, our works are not becoming of Yahweh. So why then would we be able to teach others of the greatness of him? As a sinner who is restored and has true repentance, we then show our good works and the greatness of Yahweh. Cross-reference Isaiah 41.10 and Jeremiah 31.18. Verses 14 through 17. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Ask Yahweh to deliver you from your sin. By dealing with our guilt, leaving it before him, we are then able to truly sing praises to him. The idea of a broken spirit is the same idea as our own importance is. Wow, that really got confusing. I'm sorry. <laughs> My notes just got a little confusing. So um, the idea of a broken spirit is the same idea as our own importance. How is how gone? What good is it? So our, own, our, our broken spirit is just like our own importance. How good is it? It's not good at all. He does not despise us for our wrongdoings when we come to him with an open heart, when we are convicted to change direction and ask for his help. Cross-references is Psalms 35, 28, Hebrews 13, 15, 
1 Samuel 15, 22, and Psalm 34, 18. And lastly, verse 18 and 19. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit. With burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. Ask Yah to restore you to who he made you to be. Sacrifice your fleshly wants to the Most High, your Elohim, and follow him in obedience. Cross-reference Ephesians 1, 5 and Ephesians 5, 2. And that's what I have. I think that it's so... One, you did an amazing job on that. I love all the scripture that you used. I, I think that it is so hard for us to do this because the concept of eternity is not something that we can understand, right? And that I think really shows the devotion and the love, right? Whenever you can choose eternity without understanding what that means, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's fun to drink all the time and be drunk. Again, I'm not saying things in a judgmental manner. It doesn't matter what quote unquote sin I pick. Somebody is going to feel judged. That would be your guilty conscience, my friend. That is not my intent. Please hear me. I could literally choose cheating on your husband all the time is great. It's super fun. And somebody out there is going to be like, hey, that's rude. You know what I mean? Like, please hear my words. Whatever the sin is. Back it up a little bit more. Back it up a little bit more. There's only black and white. There is zero gray area. If you think that there's gray area, then that's your problem. And you need to start by addressing that. You need to, you need to get into the word and you need to realize that it is literally, if, if it is not of God, then it is of Hasatan. Plain, simple, end of discussion. It is either black or white, good or evil. That's it. There is no middle ground. There is no quote unquote good enough. Okay. Black or white. So if you are somebody who is repetitively choosing to sin because you have this mindset of it's not that big of a deal. I'm not really hurting anybody by doing this. Uh, You're hurting Yah. Right. Our, everything we're doing is hurting him. You're hurting him. You're hurting Yeshua. You are laughing in the face of his sacrifice. If you're continuing to do that. Right. And it's so hard for us to stop and think about that. It's so hard for us to stop and think about the fact that we are sacrificing eternity. We are giving up willingly. We are willingly giving up eternity in fellowship with Yahweh, sitting next to Yeshua, having a meal. We are literally giving that up by doing something that we, in our fleshly human brain, determine as not that bad. But using using the, and again, I'm not, I, I don't know, I'm not Yahweh. I don't have a direct, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to be out here being like, I'm a prophet. And he told me this, but like my personal conviction is no Halloween, right? Like Halloween is not from him. It might not be me hurting anybody by going out there, trick-or-treating or dressing up as a whatever, but my conviction tells me that it's not of him. He didn't tell me to do it. So therefore I need to not be doing it. Right. So if I were to continue choosing and my, my children specifically have a hard time with this, especially some of my older ones, especially Delilah, because she loves Halloween. She's always loved Halloween. 
So she has a real hard time with this. She has a hard time understanding why it's like a thing, right? Because in her mind, it's not that big of a deal. She's not actually like, even if she has a fake butcher knife in her hand and blood everywhere, she's not actually going out and hurting anybody, right? So it's not that big of a deal. I'm not willing to sacrifice eternity with my creator off of a handful of times that I got to go trick-or-treating. I'm, I'm unwilling to do that. I'm unwilling to sacrifice eternity with Yeshua for some freaking candy. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and if you don't look at it that way, that's, that's a you thing, right? Like you, you need to figure out why you're not looking at situations that way, right? Like, why are you not seeing sin for what it is? Go study, go search that out, figure out why you're not seeing sin for what it is. Again, replace Halloween with any other sin, watching porn, masturbating, drinking in excess to where you're drunk all the time, adultery, uh, not keeping the Sabbath holy. Because remember, that's the fourth command to keep the Sabbath day holy. So if you're not keeping the Sabbath day holy, therefore you are sinning. How do you keep the Sabbath day holy? If you don't know the answer to that, then that means you haven't studied enough and you need to go open his word and you need to study that, right? So like any any of these things that you would say as, as, a, as a believer are a sin, if you are not looking at it through that lens, you, you need to go study some more. And I'm gonna stop talking now. And now Amanda's gonna be the salve to all of the wounds that I have created today. Well, it got me looking at you. My wounds, jeez, lady. <laughs> oh my, yeah. Well, like the Halloween thing, that is hard. That is hard. Like we are still trick or treating, but I didn't put up my Halloween decorations this year. I put up my fall stuff, but it didn't feel right to put up my Halloween like spooky stuff. So I didn't do that this year. So, and it it's just um, about when it feels right i'm not going to do it because conviction. yeah trace is not doing it you know yeah so, conviction that's him yeah. that's looking your heart and changing things little by little that's exactly the process that i went through too. it's not like, like i said you're not going to just wake up tomorrow and be like i have a laundry list of things that i've been doing quote unquote the wrong way i'm going to go and yeah. change my life. yeah okay well since we got yelled at let's move on <laughs> Um, okay, so these days, it seems like the definition of sin keeps getting blurred, or that once you are saved, it's a VIP ticket to heaven, you can go about your business and keep doing the same sin over and over. I found a quote on Pinterest I want to share. I couldn't find out who wrote it, but it was called The Narrow Way. You were forgiven from sin when you were saved, but you were saved to turn from sin. Part of Christian life is the continual fight against sin even sin that other Christians may normalize. If we sin ourselves, see ourselves walking along the wrong road, may we remember to turn back onto the right one. How easy it can be to forget our calling, not to conform to the world, but to stand apart. I agree that some people's perception of sin, even good Christian folk can get it wrong. Their idea of what sin is has become taken less seriously that sin can be placed that sin can be placed on levels that it's something that should be judged on its level of severity but all sin are judged the same and repeating the same sin over and over 
is worse to me because as Christians, we know we should, we know better. But sin is sin. Murder is equal to lying in God's eyes. You know not to lie, and you know you can't go around offing people. So, why do we, why do, man, Amanda, hello. So, why do we do any of that? Because the evil one loves to make our sins sound justified to us. I had to lie to Betty Sue about her pecan pie tasting great after tossing it in the trash. A murderer felt compelled to commit a heinous crime because the evil one had twisted his mind. Um, Romans 2, 5. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. We are punishing ourselves because of our own stubbornness and refusal to turn away from sin. It's like when you have a friend or a family member and they have a drug problem, or maybe your friend is dating some abusive loser and they choose to stay in that toxic relationship. And we're like, why? Why do they keep hurting themselves? It's dangerous. How can they not see how horrible this person is? I would imagine God thinks the same way about us. Here we are sitting over and over, knowing what God can do for us and knowing our actions will have consequences. And yet we do it anyway. I can imagine God up there rubbing his forehead, looking over to Gabriel and pointing at us like, bro, they just went through this last week. God wants only the best for us, but he also knows that he must punish us when our judgment day comes, but he will give us every chance and opportunity. He can, and he will give us an opportunity up until the very last second to repent and ask for forgiveness and mean it. We sin every day. Sometimes we may not even notice that we have done it. It is impossible for us not to. We are humans and we are flawed. We will mess up, but the point is to try your best not to. Sin can be gossiping about how someone looks or how about this one chick is a troublemaker. It can be having impure thoughts about someone who is not your smout, not your smouse, not your spouse. Whether that someone is someone you know or Gerard Butler, it's a sin. Sometimes we have a secret sin. Uh, Romans 2.16. And this is the message I proclaim. That the day is coming when God, through, Jesus, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. This reminds us that every sin, even the ones we think no one knows about, will be judged. Whether that can be in an affair, watching porn, stealing something from Walmart at the checkout line when you don't think anyone's watching, or it could be something you didn't even realize, like a book on your nightstand. That is one thing that I was convicted of on my walk. I used to love reading fantasy romance novels. I loved the characters and the plot, the romance, you know, fairies and werewolves, not, not twilight that's not my thing so that's stupid who sparkles like i got sidetracked sorry um <laughs> um the plot and the romance that was the romance was on the spicy side when i was saved i tried to read them but it felt wrong so i stopped and then i felt called to get rid of them and i have quite a few books and i tried to ignore that because I don't, I can't get rid of books. It just feels wrong, but God is persistent. So I pulled them off of my shelves 
and tried to find a type of book that I would enjoy without the spice. It took some digging, but I've managed to find a few. And if you're interested in knowing what I found, you can leave a comment or email us. Sin is everywhere these days, making it very hard for us to walk that, making it very hard for us to walk that God chooses for us. But as Christians, we are called to walk away from the masses and take the road less traveled, just like Jesus did. Girl, I'm going to just go out on a limb here real quick. I'm going to say Jesus would pronounce it pecan and not pecan. <laughs> I don't know. It's pecan up here. It's pecan. <laughs> pecan. Anyway. Uh, if you're not making us cry because you're being so sentimental and like tugging at our heartstrings, then you're making us cry because we cannot stop laughing. I cannot like, y'all, I know I say this every week, but if you are thoroughly enjoying Amanda's addition to the podcast, please, please, please let us know. Share, share this episode or your favorite episode, whatever episode in your story, um, on your social media, tag us, send us an email mail us something I don't care I just I need to know if everybody is enjoying Amanda as much as Amy and I are because holy bananas Batman she she can evoke some tears whether they are happy tears or sad tears she's really good at what she does she writes very 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 well and I just man I love her to pieces I love doing this I love my job this is I we get paid zero things for this but like this is the best job I've ever had in my entire life oh my goodness um yeah, I, I'm sorry if I crushed your toes today. I really am. I really, really, really am sorry if I crushed your toes. But I want to point out that both Amy and Amanda said the exact same thing I said without like stomping all over your feet. So my maybe my thing that I need to repent for today is finding a better way to deliver the information that I have. Um, Because they both said the exact same thing, right? Like, the point is for us to turn away from who the world has shaped us to be and turn back to who he has always wanted us to be, to renew that relationship with him. We are renewing our covenant with him when we are saved. You are renewing that covenant. You are saying, okay, I am in covenant with you. He's going to hold up his end of the deal. Now it is time for us to hold up our end of the deal. And he's going to continue holding up the, his end of the deal, even if we fail to hold up our end of the deal. But shouldn't we try? Shouldn't we try a lot harder than we have previously? It is all about being set apart. It is all about taking actual action actual action that was that doesn't sound as weird maybe i don't know that sounds weird to me actual action we need to take action to be different be set apart weird as saying pecan it's pecan it's not pecan it's pecan and it's pecan um anyway i will die on this hill that is <laughs> That is a Southern thing and neither one of y'all are Southern. So you can't, you don't get to say what, how the pronunciation is. It's pecan. Claiming it. I don't know. Do pecans even grow there? We Can have you cows. <laughs> cows. <laughs> no, of course they don't grow here. Right. Okay. So it's pecan. A pecan Got is it. a porta potty. It's a can that you pee in. It's a pecan. It's a porta potty. What? What? A porta potty would be a pecan. It's a can that you pee in. Oh my Atlanta! 
are we going to have to label this as explicit now? <laughs> if anybody has children listening, I'm very sorry. They are now going to be talking about porta potties and porn. And <laughs> I think that's. Oh anyway, uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. But most importantly, we hope that this episode will be used by the Father, by the Holy Spirit, to convict you in some way that you've been needing it to be that mirror. I had some people in my my walk that have been the mirror for me and it did not feel good. Did not feel good. Like running face first into that mirror does not feel good. But it was so needed and it was so necessary. And it has removed one more block that was that was being built in a wall between the father and myself, right? So I'm, I am eternally thankful for the people, Amy and Amanda, have both been that mirror for me on multiple occasions. Um, there's many, many, many others too, but I am eternally grateful for the people who have been that mirror for me. And I just hope that we can be that mirror for you in this in this episode and in all episodes. So let us know how we're doing. Um, we got an email. I'm so excited about uh, a topic that somebody wants us to talk about. So next week, we are going to be talking about conviction. We're going to get a little bit. We did touch on that a little bit today, but we're going to be getting deeper in there, seeing what scripture has to say about conviction and also sharing some real life examples of how our convictions look different from one another um, and how we have answered those convictions and even how we've ignored those convictions, those calls, those pricks to our heart and what has happened when we have ignored those. So we are looking forward to studying with you again later on this week. Until then, please, please, please remember, it is imperative that you remember that faith is a verb. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to join in on the conversation in the comments. Let us know your thoughts, your takeaways, or even offer up some suggestions for future episodes. If you're enjoying our time of study together, please make sure you tell your friends about it so we can study with them too. You can always screenshot this episode and post it in your socials. Don't forget to check the show notes for any resources that we included in today's episode. And may Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, bless you today and all of your days.